Welcome to Sound Business, the podcast that reveals how sound affects your business outcomes, from the productivity and well-being of your staff, to your sales and profit, your brand value, your marketing effectiveness, your customer experience, and all your key relationships. I'm Julian Treasure, Chairman of the Sound Agency and five-time TED speaker, with over 100 million views for my TED Talks about sound, and I'll be your guide as we discover the power of sound to boost your business's success, as well as your own happiness, effectiveness, and well-being. Podcasting is probably the fastest growing form of marketing in the world right now. Forecast to be a $1 billion industry in the USA in 2021, it's growing at more than 20% year on year, and not just in the States. It's booming worldwide, with South America interestingly showing the fastest growth. Globally, Apple reported passing 1 million individual active podcasts in April 2020. Around one in four Americans and one in six British people over 12 are listening to at least one podcast a week, and that proportion is growing steadily. And the industry's future looks bright because the listening audience is skewed to younger people, with 12 to 34-year-olds listening twice as often as those over 55. The levels of coverage and attention that some podcasts are achieving make advertising look very expensive indeed. General Electric's sponsored sci-fi podcast, The Message, twice hit 6 million downloads. And NPR reports that 75% of listeners took action on a sponsored message. So this is a podcast about podcasting. First things first, what exactly is a podcast? Well, here's Toby Goodman a pro-musician-turned-podcast guru and a partner in US-based Podcast Network Solutions, who've helped us to create this podcast series and who partner with the sound agency in producing podcasts for our clients. It's an audio file that sits online and has its own RSS feed and then gets distributed out to podcast hosting platforms so that you can subscribe. I think the main thing about podcasting is that other than a few fairly new, newer premium style models, a podcast is free to listen to. One big misconception and one big problem the industry has is that a lot of people who are getting into podcasts or have heard of podcasts, many of them still think you need to pay to listen to them. Free audio sounds good, but is that all there is behind the explosion of podcasting? What are the benefits for the producers? And for the listeners, how does podcasting differ from traditional radio? Are we seeing a shooting star or the rise of a major new medium? How do you do podcasting well? Well, this feature-length episode of Sound Business explores the why and the how of podcasting with help from a few distinguished guests. Let's start with the listener, because that's where any good podcaster needs to focus. Why are people listening to podcasts so avidly? I think there are five interlocking reasons, on top of the fact that most podcasts are free. First, there's portability. It's called podcasting because it was invented for the iPod. It was designed from the start to be carried around, never tied to a fixed location. 
With headphones and your phone or tablet or computer, you can listen to a podcast anywhere. Second, there's control. Linear, scheduled media already seem pretty archaic, except maybe for live content like sport. People, especially the young, now expect to be able to access the exact content they choose when they choose. Well, that has major implications for the depth and quality of the content and the connection with the listener. Leo Hornack is a leading podcast consultant and producer who's launched major shows for The Guardian and The Times, among many others. Instead of broadcasting to the widest possible audience, which often means you make something that sort of vaguely appeals to most people, when you switch to on-demand, you can make things that will appeal very strongly to a section of the audience. And so you can have things that really cater to your interests and what gets you excited. And you can do much more sort of narrow casting. It's the whole long tail idea. You're pressing play to hear someone's voice telling you something interesting. Whereas when you switch the radio on, you hope that what's being said on the radio at that moment is interesting. And that's the difference. Third, there's intimacy. Like radio, podcasting feels like a personal conversation. After all, I'm speaking only to you right now, aren't I? Here's Todd Cochrane, who is the founder of Blueberry Podcasting, which hosts a good chunk of the world's podcasts, and he's also a veteran podcaster in his own right. He's done over 2,000 interviews and was one of the first people to be inducted into the Podcast Hall of Fame. The conversation you're having is a one-to-one conversation, and that's what's so attractive about this. Now, while you may have a thousand or ten thousand or a hundred thousand people listening to a show, or maybe only ten, it's still a one on one conversation because people have got their earbuds in their ears and are listening to you. And while there can be a conversation that happens around them, successful podcasters know how to address that single person that's listening to the audience to make them feel they're part of a family. And I think that's why businesses are attracted to podcasting so much. It's a way to get a message directly to a consumer or a potential client. Fourth, there's convenience. Again, like radio, and in contrast to visual media, you can do other things while you're listening to a podcast. People listen in cars, in gyms, in the bath, while doing the laundry. No screen required, no eyes or fingers involved once the experience has started. Last, and definitely not least in my view, there's personal growth. While listening to music can be stimulating and even transcendent, listening to podcasts can educate, inform, inspire and entertain, giving the listener something new and valuable and creating a little piece of growth for them. Of course, that's not true of all podcasts, and the global issue of polarisation and siloed communities reinforcing entrenched opinions affects podcasting just as it does social media, traditional media, and indeed the entire internet. But it seems to me that the proportion of content designed to foster growth is higher simply because of the nature of this medium. Here's Jay LaBeouf, head of business development for Descript, one of the groundbreaking new tools that are revolutionizing audio and video production for this and for other industries. So much of the culture and the discussion is now going on in this medium. And it's not just that we have 
large media organizations that are creating things or small early adopters creating things. Every celebrity, I feel like, is now part of a podcast, part of an interview podcast, appearing on podcasts. By making the tools for creation and publishing and distribution of podcasts so much easier over the past few years, that then creates this virtuous cycle where everybody who feels like they have something that they want to say can very easily get it out there, which then drives the fans of those communities to go check out their content which then perhaps inspires people who've never thought, today's the day I make a podcast, to actually go out and think of their ideas and what they want to share or talk to their nonprofit or their student group or their business about producing their content. And it's this virtuous cycle of the more people that we know are creating content inspires us to, to have that own epiphany of today's the day I'll create a podcast. So there's a virtuous cycle in play. The growth of podcasting is self-perpetuating because as new listeners come on board, more and more people get inspired to have a go. And Jay mentioned one other key factor driving growth on the supply side. The tools and expertise available now make it easier and cheaper than ever before to create and distribute professional sounding content. The barrier to entry is low. And it's falling all the time as hardware and software releases make the process more and more democratized. It's exactly what happened to magazine and then book publishing, and then to music and film production. And it transcends international boundaries. Here's Leo Hornack again. We've suddenly had this amazing opening up of borders. And it's the same kind of opening up that happened a century ago with cinema, but it only just happened in the last 10, 15 years. And so it's one of the most exciting times to be making radio or podcasting right now because suddenly we're having an international diet and we're like chefs tasting pizza for the first time. Or if you want to take another era, it's some teenagers in Liverpool hearing rock and roll for the first time. Suddenly all these global influences are possible and it takes some time for them to be absorbed, but we're still at a sufficiently early stage that there's a lot of different national variety. And I've talked about America and Britain, but the same is true in Europe as well. There's obviously a language barrier there that makes it more difficult, but there's amazing Scandinavian traditions of of radio and, and now podcasting, which have totally different assumptions and styles and traditions. And it's one of the really exciting things to suddenly have this enlarged palette and choices and influences when you're doing this kind of thing. But... Unrestricted freedom comes with some caveats, as we've seen in the debates about hate speech and other ugly content on social media platforms. Todd Cochrane explains. You don't have to ask anybody permission. You didn't have to sign a contract to become a, a content creator. You could just do it and then have mass distribution. At least here in the United States, there is no regulation, uh, although through our terms of service, we do have policies in place to not allow hate, uh, anything that's uh, invoking violence. So we do have self-controls on that. It's not that we go looking for that content, but when it's reported, then we do a review of it and determine whether or not it's appropriate for our platform or not. There have been a few voices that have been, I guess for better words, deplatformed because of things they have said on their show. But the interesting thing is, those shows still controlled their own RSS feed, which is really the broadcast tower of podcasting, 
and they had their own website. So even though uh, a lot of people did not agree with that content, that particular show is still online and available to be listened to by the audience that they're attracting simply by the fact that they they control the the stack. And that's really kind of, it, it's, it's positive and negative, you know, because in, in the positive sense, they can't be devoiced. In the negative, maybe that content shouldn't really be online. But then again, we live in a very interesting world right now. A tidal wave of content with varying quality can create another issue, overwhelm, which in the connected modern world goes by the name of FOMO or fear of missing out. And that's something that many people feel keenly. Never has the opportunity cost of what we're doing been more apparent to us. The number of podcasts is growing exponentially. So how do you keep track? Stay current and find the podcast that's just right for you. Leo Hornack sees solutions coming from the new infrastructure of the music industry, which has suffered a similar blizzard of content. There is an issue with discoverability, as it's called. It's a bit of an ugly word that people don't have a very good method yet for discovering your next favorite podcast. Um, That is changing a bit. But the way that, for example, Spotify works and its incredibly impressive algorithm, when I subscribe to a podcast that I like on Spotify, I scroll down a bit on my phone and underneath it has other podcasts you might like, and it has four or five other ones. Todd Cochrane agrees that solutions are coming. You know, I look at it in two different perspectives. Number one, there's about 400,000 active podcasts creating content. Maybe put out a new episode within the last 60 days. And you have millions, literally, of blogs out there that are fighting for people to find them and be on a website. Up until most recently, the number one discovery method for podcasts have been by word of mouth. Now, that's slowly changing because Google has introduced podcast indexing and are actually indexing the the audio portion of each show and creating internal transcripts, which they are then basically ranking shows. And it won't be long. You're going to find specific episodes on Google in conjunction with a search result. So not only will you find a blog post, you'll find a, a podcast post. So if people that are doing podcasts are very careful in their publishing of their shows and writing good show notes, they're going to get some discovery really by that 800-pound gorilla called Google. It's pretty clear that podcasting has major attractions for the listener, which is fueling a demand-led growth. But I think it's the attractions for the producer that are behind the bulk of the growth in the medium. Podcasting can forge and deepen relationships. It can communicate complex information in a personal, engaging way. And of course, unlike real-life conversation, it's referable because it's recorded. It can sell. It can allow deep dives into a topic or an organization's workings at the pace and discretion of the listener. And with the new tools available, it's inexpensive to produce and distribute, which gives it potentially a very high return on investment. Let's start by considering motives, because as with all sound, intention is critical. The industry experts I've spoken to are consistent in warning that vanity and money are not the right reasons for making a podcast. Here's Brady Sadler, the founder of star podcast producer Double Elvis, 
which makes unique and very successful shows that fuse bands and brands. And he's also the author of Collaboration is King, which is a fascinating exploration of brand partnerships. The right intention for creating a podcast for a business or an individual personal brand would be to create a deeper connection with the people you already work with or collaborate with, as well as finding new people and creating serendipity in terms of networking and connecting with folks. That happens if you're building a show around your expertise, your passion, what you deliver in terms of value out into the world. It becomes a manifestation of what your core value proposition is for your business. And I think to be able to do that at scale, it's one thing to have an individual conversation with a a prospect, to put out an ad, to create a marketing campaign. But the medium of podcasting is really intimate. You're literally in someone's ears. There's something also very special about a podcast because you're forcing people to create sort of their own piece to the story in their mind. You're not giving them the visual. And so they have to actively create along with you in many cases. And that creates an interesting engagement from what I've found and the feedback that I get. Engagement is the magic word. Podcasts build relationship over time. One commandment of podcasting that every expert solemnly declares is continuity. Unless it's clearly labelled as a limited series or a special, once you start, you must continue. On either side of the road to success in podcasting are the sad remains of promising starts that fizzled out due to lack of planning or determination. So as well as being clear about your goal, which must be authentic and give value to the listeners, you need staying power, especially since most podcasts are at least weekly in frequency. Here's Toby Goodman again. When you get podcasting right, it fits into people's routines, which is why we discourage anyone from publishing any less frequently than weekly, because podcast listeners will carve out time in their own personal routines to listen to that podcast and they'll associate it very much with the Thursday morning dog walk or the Wednesday afternoon treadmill session or the Friday while the kids are having a swimming lesson. People will create habits around listening. And who are the podcasters, Toby? Broadly speaking, there are three types of podcaster. We're seeing people getting into podcasting who are already famous. So that's how they're going to make money. If you're Michelle Obama or if you're Tim Ferriss or any number of other people that we know about who've already written books or already known, they're going to attract sponsors. And so that's how they're going to make money from podcasting straight away. Secondly, then you have these creative types, just like bands. Some of them will break through. Some of them won't. They like doing the thing, playing with audio files and making things sound good. There are some amazing storytellers and they don't make money until they get picked up. And I suppose the dream is that they get picked up by Netflix, Amazon. And so podcasting, it turns out, is a proving ground for TV. And then the third group and the group that I spend a lot of time with are these business owners, right? They don't care about being famous. They're not sure how many listeners they need to get a sponsor. The answer is probably around 10,000. And so how do they profit from podcasts 
The answer is, and here's a top tip for you, is to have a clear target market and a clear single biggest result. And then also have a website where people can find out more and where people maybe can sign up for a free thing and you can get people into your sales cycle, which is perhaps a longer conversation. But where I see podcasters making money before their show has even launched is through having a guest interview based podcast show, because it turns out in the moment just after you've had a conversation with someone, they're very open to speaking more to you. And that's where I see a lot of our clients getting clients because they're using it as an invitation strategy to speak very directly to other people. The fact that it's broadcast and turned into a podcast and goes out there to whoever might be listening is a sort of happy accident almost. But but where you look at podcasts as a getting in there marketing strategy, if you've got a target market and a single biggest result, it's going to be very clear to you who you want to speak to. And if you put those people into three categories, they're either people who you suspect might become clients. So it's great to speak with them and they'll love the sound of their own voice. Secondly, it might be people who serve the same target market. Those people will directly refer you to someone. And third of all, maybe they are influencers. Maybe they are the ones that already have 10 billion uh, followers on Instagram. So as long as your follow-up is good, they will do your marketing for you and a lot of the time they'll actually become your customers. That's a behind-the-scenes benefit that's probably not up front in the stated objectives of most brands' podcasts. But it may prove to be one of the best reasons for taking on the responsibility and devoting the resources to become a podcaster. If you're setting out to podcast, as well as clear intentions, you need to decide on a show format. The range is getting broader as the medium matures, and of course, in a Wild West with no sheriff, there are no real rules. You could produce an hour of silence or rattle dustbin lids, if that's your thing. Just don't expect many people to be listening. Popular show formats range from monologues and storytelling to interviews, documentary-style shows like this one, to scripted dramas with casts and sound effects or even musical journeys. And although there's no directive to be bound by the identical structure every week, some predictability tends to be a positive thing, as Brady Sadler explains. It's really the beauty of the medium. You can do whatever you want, do that planning ahead of time, but leave room for experimentation. Uh, I think that's sometimes where great unexpected things happen. And you can shift your format. You want to try and stick with something. You want to be predictable. You want to have a release cadence that people get to know so that it can fit into their lives because of course you're asking people to take their precious time, which is the most valuable commodity, the thing that, that we can't make more of and give you their attention. So there has to be a clear value exchange there. And the more that you create some predictability into that, the more likely it is they're gonna stick with you. Don't try to copy someone else. Really think about what it is that is unique to your business and how you can really add the most value. And don't be afraid to give away a lot of value. The more that you do that, the more likely it is that they're going to find their way to the paid product or service that you offer. Alongside format, you'll need to decide on content. That may be news, chat, drama, music, stories, or any blend of these. Your topic areas might be current affairs sport, 
science, business, the arts, celebrity gossip, technology, whether that's hints and tips for existing users or explorations of leading-edge topics like AI or the blockchain. Or it may be purely creative. Possibly several of these things mixed together. Your content may be all about your work or offerings, or you may be simply a guide to an interesting area, as I hope I am in this series about sound. One very new area that's exploding right now is internal podcasting, with organisations using the medium for onboarding, for training, or for internal communications. How much more engaging is it to receive a short audio blog from the CEO instead of a round-robin email? Todd Cochrane sees this as an important new trend. Companies are looking for more informal ways to be able to communicate with employees. That could be corporate CEO messaging. It could be sales. It could be sales teams training. It could be remote salespeople giving information about something they discovered or a question that came up that they hadn't seen before. Employee onboarding. It runs the gambit, and they have found that just by providing the podcast available, being authenticated login, they can listen to that training the same way they would listen to a regular podcast and they're getting higher engagement rates. So just because of ease of use, you know, they're carrying these uh, podcasts around in their pocket. The process of making and distributing podcasts is getting simpler and more streamlined. Recording can be done with as little as a mobile phone, though for premium quality, the basic recording requirements are a room with good acoustics and no background noise, a decent quality microphone like a Blue Yeti or a Rode Podcaster, and some software, which might be zero cost, something like Audacity, or for the audiophiles out there, something more sophisticated, like Adobe Audition. Even editing has become simpler with new AI-based tools like Descript. For those of you who are into DIY, here's Todd again to describe the whole process. Use whatever editing software that you want to use. Create an MP3 file from that master file. And then if you're familiar with blogging, really posting a podcast is similar to blogging. You write a title for your show on your website or the platform that you're using. You write a description or some show notes on what was accomplished during the show or what was highlighted, maybe providing some links out to a guest or to a resource. And then you upload that media file. And then once that file is published on a site that can handle a podcast content, there's a media URL that is updated. And it's called RSS. It's an XML. When you look at it, your eyes glaze over because it kind of looks like code, but it's not. It's just a markup language that other sites like Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, all those sites where they take content can read that file and say, hey, there's a new episode there. Let's update our library. And it's not a push technology. It's a pull. So Apple and all those sites actually just pull that feed, look for the new content in there, then they update the directory. And then really the content's available then via the podcast app of your choice that you're subscribed to a show. And oftentimes, if you're subscribed, that media file will automatically download and be in your device to be able to listen to wherever you're at, regardless if you're online or not. Of course, if you're not into handling all the mechanics yourself, there are agencies, like ours, to do that for you. And then to take on the whole job of distribution onto the public platforms and also marketing via SEO or other means. 
so podcasting is growing for good reasons. Toby Goodman summarizes the benefits for the growing band of podcasters. It's growing fast because people like to be spoken to directly. And where the podcast is positioned properly, it will do that perfectly. Uh, and secondly, it turns out podcast is pretty COVID proof because you can do it relatively cheaply from home as long as you have an internet connection. One thing that people say, well, podcasting is just a poor cousin of video. You can't possibly put a podcast on YouTube. Well, it turns out, of course, you can because you can still put the audio on YouTube and on video platforms with, if you like, just a simple still. You can get subtitles for the audio of a podcast as well. And then you're able to access the hearing impaired market, which is, of course, important. So we're seeing certainly in the last three months, a lot of the larger podcast production houses talking about and starting to do work towards moving their podcast into video, putting subtitles on it for two reasons. One, for the hearing impaired, and also two, because it turns out the more commercial podcasters can make money from pay-per-click revenue that comes from video platforms. And I'll leave the last comment to Blueberry's Todd Cochrane. I think every business should have a podcast. And if they don't, they should really ask the question, why? Sound Business is brought to you by The Sound Agency, designing effective business sound since 2003 and is co-produced by Podcast Network Solutions, a full-service podcast production company who are ready to help you plan, record, produce and promote your message with podcasting. To find out more about how The Sound Agency can boost your business with bespoke sound and to grab your free copy of our four golden rules for sound, visit thesoundagency.com forward slash podcast.